Let us listen now for God's word as it is presented. Ephesians chapter 1, reading verses 15 to 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Our next reading is from the Psalms, Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord, with the sound of a trumpet, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God is King over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. A reading from Acts 1, verses 1 to 11. Let us hear the word of God. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, 
Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Our final reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continuously at the temple, praising God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is this the time? For those of us who are parents, we have all had that experience, I think, of being awakened in the dark and deep silence of Christmas morning by eager eyes peering over the edge of the mattress and asking, Is it time yet? That's kind of what we find here this morning in Jesus' discussion with the disciples as the disciples ask Jesus that question. Is it time? The great expectation of some great fulfillment of their hopes and dreams is being articulated. The eager anticipation of finally being able to bring into fruition that for which they had been waiting for so long. As we join the story of Jesus and his disciples in the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus is once more teaching the disciples. After 40 days with the resurrected Jesus, it must have seemed like it was the new normal for Jesus' disciples. 40 days is just enough time for new habits and new routines to be formed and solidified. And it seems that the post-Easter Jesus had picked up where he had been teaching the disciples about the wonder of the kingdom of God. But the disciples still clung to the old questions. Is this the time? When will you restore the kingdom of Israel? The long-seated hope for a Messiah who would rule over the nation of Israel had been part of the consciousness of the children of God for so long that they could not imagine that God would be doing a new thing. They could not imagine that maybe, just maybe, the kingdom of God had already arrived, even though they were living right in the middle of it. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead was the initiation of God's new kingdom of justice and love. God defeated the hatred, division, 
and death of this world as Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus' new life was not a personal experience, but it was a complete reordering of the creation. Not just Jesus was raised from the dead, but we too receive new life in Christ in that Easter morning. It is the real reason for our rejoicing, that we need no longer fear death or all those things that lead to death, for Jesus has been raised from the dead. God has prevailed. The kingdom has come. And yet for the disciples, that old question remains. Is this the time? Is this the time? In one sense, as we've already described, the disciples are living in this new time already. And yet we acknowledge that there are that these events of which we read this morning are an important part of the story of salvation. Is this the time? As Jesus teaches the disciples about the elusiveness of the kingdom of God and says, it is not for you to know the times and the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, Jesus is then taken up into heaven. In his ascension, Jesus returns to the Father to sit upon the throne of the new kingdom that he had been sent to initiate. The ascension of Jesus is a powerful sign of the inbreaking of this new kingdom. For you cannot have a kingdom without a king. Jesus' return to the heavenly places is a sign of the unity that exists between earth and heaven in this new kingdom. And yet, even as we acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, as he ascends into heaven, we too, I think, as the church, are left to ponder, is this the time? For while we believe that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, defeating the powers of death and hell, and while we believe that Jesus has ascended into heaven to sit upon the throne, we are all too aware of the brokenness of the world in which we live. Suffering and worry still seem all too real. Cruelty and hate dominate our daily news. And we are aware of unjust economic systems that see people as commodities and, in, and input to, tech, to... Pardon me. We are all too aware of unjust economic systems that see people as commodities and inputs of production and not as the awe-filled image of God that we, we are created to be, having intrinsic worth not because of what we do or of what we produce, but because we have been created in the image of God. As followers of Jesus, we stand in this moment of already, but not yet. Already we have seen Christ come. Already we have witnessed the power of God. And because we have seen God's love and power manifest in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that salvation has come. And yet, and yet we acknowledge the power of sin, which is far too appealing to us and which tries each day to draw us back. But we know 
that Christ has prevailed. And we know that we will too. That in our own lives and in the world in which we live, we can choose life. We can choose hope. We can choose compassion. That opportunity abounds for us to embody Christ's kingdom now. That in small ways, we witness the love of God each day. And in small ways, we can touch the lives of others with the love and hope of God. That they may have hope too. When will this work be complete? I do not know. As the, as the disciples questioning about the coming kingdom, perhaps the best that we can do is to acknowledge that it is not for us to know the times and the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But this one thing we know, that for the church, this is the time. This is our time to make Christ known in word and deed. To be aware and open our eyes to the needs all around us and to address those with those needs and show them the hope that we have found in Christ and assure them that in Christ they have hope too. Hope of a better, more just world in which love and compassion will prevail. Thanks be to God. Amen.